Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Dorinda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a 31-day devotional for homeschooling moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. You can find all these books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, and The Four-Hour School Day can be found at pretty much any of your favorite booksellers in addition to Amazon and my website. My website is DorendaWilson.com. I am so grateful that you're here today. Um, You guys aren't going to believe this. I was shocked. The other day I went to... Uh, just upload a podcast, get it published. And I look over and it's telling me that we have had 1 million downloads. Can you believe that? I was like, what? (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, God is so good. Here I am out in my she shed, just sitting here watching my chickens, talking into the microphone, sharing my heart, thinking about all of you on the other end and Just what is it that you need to hear? How can you be encouraged? Asking the Lord for wisdom. Lord, what do I talk to them about this week? And just trusting God to use me somehow. And uh, he is just so faithful and has just poured such a blessing out on this podcast. And I'm so thankful for it. Uh, I just want to make sure that all of you also know about the new platform that we are creating. My family and I are putting together a community platform that is going to be not only an encouragement to homeschooling moms, but to your families as well. My family is involved in the process of creating content for this platform, so there'll be a place for boys to go and listen to some of our boys' stories um, about when they were growing up. Um, There'll be a a place where I'll be reading out loud to your kids. Um, It's just a a great variety of different content. We will, of course, have lots of content on homeschooling, parenting, marriage. I'll be doing a date night once a month with my husband on a live Zoom meeting. So the members and their husbands can join us for date night, ask us anything they want to ask us, and just have fun together and encourage our marriages. Also, of course, I'm always talking about just a variety of topics, but again, mainly homeschooling and parenting and faith. Um, So I am just excited about this, and this is going to launch Monday, May 2nd. And I will be uh, letting everybody know on social media, kind of blasting it out there and making the link available for you all to check it out. Um, So anyway, I will keep you updated on that. But thank you again for being here, um, for just being faithful listeners and for your messages of encouragement, for your reviews that you're leaving online. I appreciate that from wherever you're listening. If you can leave a quick review, if you've read my book, The 4-Hour School Day, would you would you mind going to Amazon and leaving a review there? Um, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, it just helps kind of push the book out there. It's kind of one of those things where I just say, Lord, do I, I'm, I'm making this offering. I write this book. And just please do with it what you want to do with it. So that's mainly been my, that's my main marketing tactic. <laughs> Not exactly professional, but, you know, 
that's okay. I trust God. He got the unhurried homeschooler out there and he'll do the same for the four-hour school day as he sees fit. Today, we're going to be talking about managing our time. In fact, I haven't even decided what I'm going to actually title this, but it's been an interesting journey as um, I explained some of this in the last podcast on soul weariness, just sort of my journey through uh, not having a lot of energy because of hormones. And then I got the, the, the flu that shall remain nameless and was basically down for two weeks. And um, it's just been, like I mentioned before, just a real trial. But here's the thing that I'm I'm discovering is that we all kind of have a different view about how to spend time and energy. We kind of like formulate this perspective from our own expectations, maybe expectations our parents put on us in the family we grew up in. Maybe the culture has more to say about how we we view how we steward our time and energy. Um, there's a lot of different voices that can be speaking to our perspective on time and energy. But, you know, the only voice that really matters is God's. So as I was laying in bed and praying, um, the Lord brought some things to my mind um, that I want to share with you today. But before I dive into that, I want to give you a little bit of my background because uh, I think it's important for people to know, okay, where is she coming from? What perspective is she coming from? And then you can sort of adapt and adjust um, as you're listening. But my background is that I come from a very hardworking Dutch family. My grandpa was a dairy farmer, and I say kudos to all of you out there who are involved in dairy farming because as as if you know anything about dairy farming, it is really hard work and it takes a very dedicated and special kind of person to be a dairy farmer because cows are very, um, they really like a, a, a routine. Um, we've had our own family as we we're raising our kids, we had a cow a couple of different times. And I'm telling you, if you go out there later than, than they think you should be out there, they laid like to be milked at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, same time every day. And if you don't do that, Many times they will just get difficult. They'll kick the milk bucket over. They'll slap you in the face with their tail while you're trying to milk them. So, I mean, obviously, dairy farmers don't typically hand milk. That's a little more, uh, it's a little more intensive. But at the same time, my point is that these dairy farmers are have to be incredibly disciplined incredibly committed, incredibly hardworking, incredibly like routine. And they just don't take vacations because they've got to have somebody there that can milk and and keep that same routine so they don't throw everything off. So that's my background. My family loves hard work. We love to be productive. And all of that created a really strong work ethic. But the caveat is that it can also become an idol. So in other words, it can replace the you know god on the throne of my heart and i don't even realize it's happening because it's it was such um such a respected thing such a you know a thing that our family just really appreciated and looked up to and if you were hard working that was everything you know and so i can see now that maybe that wasn't very balanced um 
Maybe that wasn't, maybe it was a little extreme. So, and not everyone has this issue. I'm some, a lot of people struggle with laziness. I had a friend that was just really honest with me. She's like, I struggle with laziness. I could not relate to that. That doesn't make me any better than her because either one of us can be in a ditch, right? Satan doesn't care what ditch you're in as long as you're in a ditch, right? So, you know, both of those struggles are really about yielding to the Lord. But I think that um, in our culture, most of us struggle with making accomplishment an idol. And I think part of that really stems from social media and the standards that are put out there, which we know are a fraction of people's lives. What do they say? It's like one to 3% of someone's life. That's, That's at best what you're, and it's the best part of their life on social media, typically. Um, so you've got that that temptation for comparison. The temptation for comparison was before social media as well, but it has intensified incredibly since social media and computers and just having access to all these different ideas and ways of doing things and uh, marketing, uh, so much marketing. But all of this can be such a distraction and can lead us very, very quickly to discontentment. So I was laying there in bed the other day and I was just praying about, I don't remember what I was praying about. I just remember, I was probably praying about, you know, just the fact that I didn't have energy and Lord, what is the, what's, give me some perspective, you know, Um, just kind of asking the Lord for wisdom. And I, and it, the thought that came to mind was this, Dorinda, what if you, viewed time and energy as a form of wealth. And I thought, hmm. And I think one of the reasons that I was inspired to even have that thought is that several weeks ago, months ago even, I was listening to Pastor Doug Wilson. No no relation, by the way. (laughs) He was talking about our phones and, you know, our computers, just that access to all that information just at the, you know, right at our fingertips all the time. And he said, you know, a lot of people are like, phones are bad, computers are bad, you know, bad, 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 don't do this, don't do that. And, and so then we tend to just feel guilty all the time for whenever we're on it. And so that can be really sort of disconcerting and really throw us off. But he had this to say, what if we looked at phones as a form of wealth? And the reason he said that is because the, the Bible has answers for all of life but it's learning to wisely interpret the scriptures. And so I was really um, inspired by that, um, even when he mentioned it, and I never did go and look up those scriptures. But then when I had that thought the other day um, about time and energy as a form of wealth, because at this point in the game, after all these months of not having a lot of energy, and those of you who are chronically ill or deal deal with... um, autoimmune disorders, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I feel your pain. I am starting to feel better now, but um, but it's just, it's so frustrating because you just, you don't know how do you manage it? How do you manage the, the, the time and then the energy or lack of energy? So if we look at the scriptures, all the scriptures on wealth, it gives us a much clearer vision of how to steward these things well. You can think of it in terms of phones too, but today I really want to focus on time and energy. Um, Because like I said, I was laying there just, it was hard not to lament 
am I ever going to have energy again? And when I do, how am I going to spend it? You know, my, my husband actually asked me that. He said, you know, when your energy returns and it will, what are, what are the things you really want to do? What are really the things that are on your heart to do? And I thought, wow, that's a really good question. And I immediately knew. And so I've really tried to keep that at the forefront of my, my mind as my energy has returned um, that I want to make those things a priority. And so that time away, that, that forced stillness really allowed me to refocus and to really press into the Lord and ask Him for wisdom. So time is a gift from God, and how we spend our time matters. It matters to God, and since it matters to Him, it should matter to us. So think about what you already know as far as what God has to say about wealth and money, okay? We know He doesn't want us to spend it impulsively, but rather responsibly, responsibly and intentionally, okay? We want to be um, good stewards of what he gives us. We know he doesn't want us, um, oh, he, yeah, like I said, he doesn't want us to spend it impulsively, but responsibly. But again, the same holds true for time and energy. Each of us has been given 24 hours in a day, no more, no less, and varying degrees of energy depending on the day and our circumstances. For example, when I was pregnant, God was not expecting me to do everything I that I that I could normally do if I were not pregnant. I simply had fewer energy rations during those seasons, and I needed to be wise with how I used those rations. So God is giving me this specific amount of energy, and it is ordained by Him, and I need to receive it with thanksgiving and spend it well. So that might mean that I say no to more outside activities so that I have the energy to love my husband and children better and I don't get cranky with them because I'm too tired from doing too much. Um, <clears throat> we know that love holds a very high value in God's kingdom. I talked about this in the last podcast. And what that might mean is that I may look like a failure to other people while simultaneously pleasing God. So our goal is not to please the culture or even ourselves. It is to please God. It's what we were made for. We were made to live in harmony with his priorities, his value system, and his economy. And this is when our souls prosper. Now, last week, I, I talked about soul weariness and how hurry kills the soul how Jesus is calling us into an apprenticeship to pattern our lives and practices after him. And he isn't offering to take away the duties that he has put in front of us. He's offering us what we need to bear our loads well. He is offering his yoke, which actually has him bearing the heaviest part of the load. And this is what it means to steward our time and energy well as well. We pattern our practices and priorities after those of Jesus, what was important to him. So God's economy is the polar opposite of the world's. I mentioned this in the last po podcast. God says love is the most important thing, but love is painfully time-consuming. The author of the book that I was mentioning last week, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says to walk with Jesus is to walk at a slow unhurried pace. So let's look at some scriptures that talk about wealth and money, and but think about them 
in perspective of time and energy, how these principles apply to time and energy. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So I can't serve a separate agenda from God's without compromising who I'm actually serving. I'm gonna say that again. I cannot serve a separate agenda from God's without compromising who I'm actually serving. I can't have my cake and eat it too. I cannot have two masters. Job 36, 18 says, but watch out or you may be seduced by wealth. Don't let yourself be bribed into sin. So seduced by wealth. So if I'm seduced by the fact that I have um, this time and I'm gonna basically do what I want with it or I have this energy and I'm just, maybe I'm so excited to have my energy back that I impulsively am spending it where I should not spend it. But basically, I'll read the verse again. Watch out or you may be seduced by wealth. Don't let yourself be bribed into sin. I can actually be drawn away from God by serving my own agenda and not fully yielding my agenda to him. Now, mind you, none of us does this perfectly. It is an ongoing willingness throughout the day to continue to yield our agenda, our schedule to him because we all know Every day is full of interruptions. And so we have to discern whether that interruption is, well, I believe they're, they're essentially God allows them, but we have to discern whether it's, it means a change of direction or whether we need to persevere and stay the course. And this is something that just requires stopping and asking the Lord for wisdom on. So Psalm 39, four through seven shows the brevity of life and the cost of not being intentional. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all are busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do my do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Our hope has got to be in God alone, not in our accomplishments. He has given us good work to do. And he wants us to enjoy that gift of work. He wants us to be diligent and faithful in it, but not We really can't even do that well without making him Lord over it. Psalm 62.10 says, Don't make your living by extortion. Extortion is obtaining something by force or threat. Or, and then it goes on to say, or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Now, that was a real call to me. That, that really stood out to me because I felt like God was saying in that moment, when your energy returns, don't make it the center of your life. Don't be trying to just accomplish so much that you're not actually yielding your time, your energy, your agenda to me. That was just so clear to me. But, you know, again, I'll read it again just to uh, review real quickly. Psalm 62.10, don't make your living by extortion, which is obtaining by force or threat, or put your hope in stealing. 
And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. So this would, again, this would be me when I'm on a roll trying to force things that God isn't calling me to. He is not obligated to give us the strength to do things he hasn't called us to do, okay? And if we're trying to obtain that, we are actually stealing. We're taking something that God did not intend for us, at least not in that moment. I remember when um, one of our kids was young, he had this knack for walking into the room and always either asking me for something, just wanting something from me. And I remember telling him, because this this is what would happen really often, is he would come in and he would I would have already decided I'm going to give him this treat. And I had it in my head. I never said anything to him or anyone else. He would just uncannily walk into the room and say, Mom, can I have? And he would ask for exactly what I was about to give him. It took all the joy out of it. It took all the fun out of it for me as a parent. It it took the 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 satisfaction and the joy and the delight of being able to bless him with something because he was already essentially trying to take it from me. Not that we can't ask God for things, but I'm just saying it was just uncanny how he would immediately be able to just tune in and know that he wanted that thing and he was already trying to get it. And I told him, I said, look, buddy, I had already decided that I wanted to give that to you, but you don't give me a chance. You don't give me a chance to bless you with this and for you to just receive that blessing from me and say thank you because you're constantly thinking about gaining, gaining, gaining. And so I think that is what we need to stay away from. Proverbs 3, 9 says, don't make your living by extortion. This is an, um, gosh, that sound, almost sounds like the same verse, but it's not. Uh, don't uh, make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Yes, I think I did just read that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. Okay, I'm right. Those are two completely separate verses. Okay, well, that's really, really confirmation because that was Psalm, I read before, Psalm 62.10. This was Proverbs 3.9. I'm gonna read it again. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Recognize that God is the source of all we have, including time and energy. Now, there may be a slight chance that I... Uh, misread, and it actually is the same verse, but you get the drift, right? We want to recognize that God is the source of all we have, including time and energy, and we need to honor him by yielding it to him. Proverbs 10.2 says, tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. And the principle that I'm hearing here is that being good stewards of our time and energy is actually life-giving. I have been guilty over the last weeks and months of not stewarding my time well. I mentioned this in the last podcast that, you know, now that the kids are gone, there's a whole, there's a whole new um, series of temptations to hurry, 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 because there's so many more possibilities of what I could do. And yet, what, what does God want me to be doing? That's the real question. And so in that process of not being a good steward, I have drained my energy so much anxiety, so much angst, and I think so much of it had to do with not being necessarily as good of a steward of my time and energy that God wanted me to. So being a good steward of our time and energy is 
life giving. It will give us life. It will fill our cups. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. So the principle here, uh, oh, and then it says wealth from hard work grows over time. So you've got the get rich quick versus hard work growing over time. So delayed gratification and plotting are disciplines that bear excellent fruit. So not trying to accumulate more accomplishment than God has for that day. And um, that would be something that I would be tempted to do. The one thing that I learned over the years that was really important was, you know, there were always projects that I wanted to get done, a closet that needed to be cleaned out, or just kind of a bigger project that needed to be done. And I found that for many years, the best thing that I could do is commit 15 minutes or a half an hour a day to that project. Instead of looking for big, huge blocks of time that would steal from other times in the day when I needed to be doing something else, I went with the discipline of a smaller block of time consistently. And that's where this this verse really holds true. Wealth from hard work grows over time. But it takes a lot more discipline to go back to that project every day for that shorter amount of time. But it is so worth it not to sacrifice the other important things that need to happen in the day and specifically relationships. Proverbs 29.3 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. And again, this is about stewardship. Distractions can be a way of, quote unquote, spending whatever we get. We don't want to do that. We need to be intentional with our time. Ecclesiastes 4.4. Before I go on to that, I want to share something that I, I experimented with recently. So this last Sunday, I decided to turn my phone off completely for 24 hours. I did not pick it up. I did not touch it. It was off. I had my husband, um, I actually texted all the kids with my phone before I shut it off and said, if you need me, call dad. Um, You can call dad or you can text him. My phone is going to be off for 24 hours. And I'm telling you, that was so glorious. Those 24 hours, I thought I was going to struggle. I did not struggle. I might next week because I plan to do this every Sunday. But I'm telling you, it was such a huge blessing. I made decisions differently because I wasn't picking up my phone and I didn't have access to texting someone just randomly whenever or reading texts whenever or, you know, whatever it is I do on my phone. Um, I really try to be disciplined with my phone, but, you know, there is something still so distracting about it. So that was a real huge blessing, and I I, I plan to continue that practice um, each Sunday. I'm just so thankful for, you know, just the Lord and His direction and His um just gentle voice that is slowly um, bringing me back to a place where I'm understanding better how to navigate this particular season of life. Um, Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, Then I observed that most people are motivated to succeed or to success because they envy their neighbors. It's not a good motivation. He goes on to say, But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. That is true. 
We don't want to be lazy. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. The author, again, here is suggesting that moderation replace envy. And in my study notes of my Bible, it said this, fools do not even try to succeed and end up impoverished. So that's the one ditch. Others frantically devote two handfuls, all their time and effort, to hard work in pursuit of fleeting wealth that they will have no time to enjoy. Wise people practice moderation and contentment or quietness. Now think of that in terms of time and energy, okay? This is about moderation. We don't want to try to take more than God has for us and just then have no energy to enjoy what was accomplished. I have been there, guys. I know exactly what this feels like, and I have no interest in continuing down that road. So that was a huge encouragement to me. I hope it was to you as well. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. Again, moderation should characterize our efforts and our words. Um, Ecclesiastes 5.7 says, Talk is cheap, like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. And in my study notes, it said, Reverence for God is the foundation for worthwhile words and useful activities. You know, the scripture that I just continue to go back to over and over again is the one that says, you know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Um, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. All our ways. So our time, our energy, um, and he shall direct your path. And then he says, um, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. We just read about fearing the Lord. Reverence for him was uh, very, very important. And it's the foundation for worthwhile words and useful activities. Okay, so fear the Lord and shun evil. This will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I love that. You want to have good health? Yield every area of your life to the Lord and continue to let him be comprehensively, have comprehensive lordship over every area of your life. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And what the good works here are the result, not the cause for salvation. Again, this is representing the comprehensive lordship of Jesus over our lives. We're his masterpiece. We're created anew in Christ Jesus. And he has good works. He has good works that he planned for us to do long ago. We want to be tuned into that and aligned with that because that's what he did when he walked this earth. He was completely aligned with the Father's will and plan. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Verse seven says, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Verse eight says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Do you hear the satisfaction with the ordinary, with the basics? We, I know I do this to myself, but 
I'm sure you all have experienced this where you just continue to amp up the expectations. What if we just found contentment in the ordinary? What if we just said, this is enough? This is enough. Godliness with contentment is real dependency on the sufficiency of Christ. That's what it looks like. So when my head hits the pillow at night, I can say with confidence and peace that it is enough. 1 Timothy 6 verses 9 and 10 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, we could replace that with time and energy. So this is a wealth principle, is the root, the love of it. Not the actual thing, but the love of it is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So I can be craving accomplishment. I kind of feel like time, energy, accomplishment, kind of all in the same, same little category there. But we're craving that. It can cause us to wander from the true faith and pierce ourselves with many sorrows. Great principle there. And then in 1 Timothy 6, it goes on in verses 11 and 12, it says, but you, Timothy, he's saying, this is, you're in a different economy, Timothy. And that, and he's speaking to us too. You know, he's, the Bible was written, uh, wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. So we pull these principles out and um, we qualify for this. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all of these evil things. And he doesn't just say, run from them, period, the end. God is so good about saying, don't do this, but do this. Take off this and put on this. So he says, run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Many times we are, we are, we are mistaking our identity in Christ to be what we accomplish that we are only as good as what we accomplish. I know I have given into that temptation and I had to revisit that and say, no, that is a lie. I wanna fight for the true faith, don't you? Then he goes on to say, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Ugh, wonderful. I love that encouragement. James 5, 3, this is the last verse. Your gold and silver or your wealth are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. And again, this principle of are we stealing from one place and giving it to another where we should not be giving it, okay? My husband has this, this phrase he likes to use called opportunity cost. If you spend it here, you can't spend it here. Now, he was referencing money, but eventually this became a conversation about time and energy. If I spend this time and energy here, I can't spend it over here. We don't always know what God has later in the day for us. So we want to leave margin. We we don't want to harvest in, in um, the Old Testament I did actually a uh, podcast on this and a blog post on this not about not harvesting to the outside edges of the field. So what would happen is um, 
God instructed the farmers in Israel not to harvest all the way to the edges, but to leave some margin there so that the poor and the needy could come and glean food. Don't you love that? God is such a loving, generous God. And he wants us to be loving and generous. But if I am constantly at the end of my rope pretty much all day, what's going to happen if I have pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself to do things that God is not calling me to do? What's going to happen? I will have zero margin when a child needs me to just sit and talk with them or hold them or kiss their boo-boo or my husband comes home and he has had a rotten day at work and he just needs me to listen and to be fully engaged and to be encouraging. I will not have what it takes if I have been stealing from that margin. Wealth is worthless in the face of God's judgment. It will testify against Uh, against people when it is unjustly gotten and wickedly used. And so that was a little more, a few more notes on that last scripture. But again, we want to steward our time well and our energy well. And we're, we're not all at the same energy level every single day. I don't have the same energy every day, and I certainly don't have the same energy as you. It's all gonna look differently. So we have to be willing to put down our expectations, our visions of what should be, um, and wherever that came from, and we need to yield it all to the Lord. So I just want to encourage you to do that um, along with me because I'm doing it too on my end as well. So let's do this together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your encouragement. Thank you for the scriptures that are a light unto our uh a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. You show us the next step and the next step and the next step. And you are so, so faithful. God, we know that we were made for dependency on you and it grates against our human nature. But God, I pray that you would help us to make a practice of walking like Jesus walked. Jesus was fully dependent on you. He was continually um communing with you and finding out what it is that you had for him, Lord. He he walked out your will so that your kingdom could come and your will could be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to walk that out as well. We're not going to do it perfectly, but oh Lord, we're going to try and we're going to try together. So we just thank you so much for giving us the encouragement and giving us uh, clear principles. Please give us wisdom to implement them and to meaningfully apply them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.